I'm worried about Bitcoin, dude. <laughs> hey, man, I pinned up at the top. I, I, this was something that hit me over the last 24 hours um, working on something. I, I told Jake offline, and I'll share with you guys in a day or two. Um, but the, the idea that Bitcoin, if all power was lost, and I know it's virtually impossible to have, but if Bitcoin, all nodes went offline, say a massive solar event happened, and this has happened. It happened in like 1850, like a serious solar event happened, disrupt power globally. It, when those nodes got turned back on, the Bitcoin blockchain that we know and love today would not exist if all nodes went offline. And that I had no idea about. And, and that was uh, a bit striking to me. And I'm looking through the DMs, hoping some dev would come on and be like, no, Adam, you're wrong. I have like you thought, and I thought before too. No, I have an archival node stored on my you know, laptop here. Once I connect that to the internet, it's the longest chain. Bitcoin just runs again. Apparently, that's not true. Um, I hope I'm wrong. But anyway, it was, it was the interesting thing of the day, uh, learning something new today. I'm interested to hear what you are cooking up over there. Yo, good morning, Adam. How are you feeling today? I'm worried about Bitcoin, dude. <laughs> hey, man, I pinned up at the top. I, I, this was something that hit me over the last 24 hours um, working on something. I, I told Jake offline, and I'll share with you guys in a day or two. Um, but the, the idea that Bitcoin, if all power was lost, and I know it's virtually impossible to have, but if Bitcoin, all nodes went offline, say a massive solar event happened, and this has happened. It happened in like 1850, like a serious solar event happened, disrupt power globally. It, when those nodes got turned back on, the Bitcoin blockchain that we know and love today would not exist if all nodes went offline. And that I had no idea about. And, and that was uh, a bit striking to me. And I'm looking through the DMs, hoping some dev would come on and be like, no, Adam, you're wrong. I have like you thought, and I thought before too. No, I have an archival node stored on my you know, laptop here. Once I connect that to the internet, it's the longest chain. Bitcoin just runs again. Apparently, that's not true. Um, I hope I'm wrong. But anyway, it was, it was the interesting thing of the day, uh, learning something new today. I'm interested to hear what you are cooking up over there. What, <laughs> what have you found that made you go digging down? Um, Maybe we'll down. share it on Tuesday's show, man. Tuesday's show. It's, it's interesting. It's fun. It, it could be fun. We're, we're still trying to, you know, dot our T's and... and uh, you know, or dot our eyes, cross our T's, right? Because don't want to, you know, put something out there and be like, and then be completely wrong about it. So, but working on, we're working on something that may be fun, little historical piece. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, right before we started the show, literally three, four minutes before, uh, we got a message from Jonathan, who's our uh, featured guest, one of the co-founders of Super Air, one of the original three. He said that a fire alarm went off in his building. <laughs> I guess wherever, wherever he, whether it's a super air office or his own. And uh, he said he'd let us know in 15 minutes uh, what the situation is, um, whether it's a test or an actual fire. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's not, uh, I hope that's not a reference to the company. And it's just like a literal fire. <laughs> so I said to Jake, well, let's just start and we can have an open mic. Uh, if anybody wants to discuss some stuff, there's lots happening in the market. Uh, this week has been amazingly crazy. So, um, Raise your hand. Happy to have you up on stage and chat. Hell. We also have uh, we have Art Basel going on. Art Basel going on too. So any artists want to come and kind of talk about something like that? 
And then Adam, I thought that someone shipped a node into space or was pinging off a satellite. Yeah, well, yeah. Like um, like, Adam Back and Blockstream are running a, a Bitcoin node on a satellite. So that is true. My name is Adam Back. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, it's, it's Adam Back and, and his, his company have one in space. Can I kind of counteract it? It, 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 well, in theory, but those, I mean, to go on this solar flare tangent, which is funny because I <laughs> watched like, early. I was watching like a YouTube video like three or four days ago and I'd heard about these solar explosions like before. And I think we all have, but th there's like significant, that is not like an event that only happens once every 20,000 years. Like these happen, you know, every several hundred years uh, with pretty regular and when really? they actually, yeah, the last major one was in like 1850, and it actually took out telegraph systems like all over the U.S. Um, and those are telegraph systems, right? Uh, so I'm not look the odds. Of course, people are like, "Well, you're going to be more worried about food and water than electricity." I'm like, okay, I don't disagree with you. It just changed my my viewpoint on it um, on Bitcoin because I just I, I had thought, like many of us, that you could just have have a, a stored node and just turn it back on. And because yours is the longest chain, it would, you know, just reboot the existing blockchain. And that apparently is not true. Hopefully, well, maybe somebody will come in my DMs or or on that that thread and correct me. But um, that was just something I did not know up until 12 hours ago. Interesting. That's well, definitely interesting for sure. I got good news. Jonathan just messaged us back. He said that the fire is a test fire. And he's back. <laughs> so he'll be joining us here in a second. Uh, we do have another guest on stage, uh, Barack. Uh, how's it going uh, this morning or afternoon if you're across the world? Hi, Jake. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. Uh, actually, it's uh, about to be evening where I live. Uh, yes, I'm not in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would love to be there, but I have some idle st stuff and my PhD nerdy stuff is going on. I mean, I was busy, to be honest. And uh, I was just reading this about the Bitcoin news. I mean, I, I, I'm also shocked. I was knowing the same. I mean, anything happens, Bitcoin would stay, but... If it's not true, I will be really disappointed, you know? Hey, man, no, you can, like, then we're there, we're back on the ground floor, man. We can all mine, you know, Bitcoin again. Be like Satoshi on day one, man. Get our 50 wow. Bitcoin blocks. We all be rich, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, I mean, I was waiting also, Jonathan, I mean, asked my, um, some maybe nerdy questions. I'm an artist. I'm not a tech guy, but. Uh, I'm following the rare protocol. Uh, I mean, uh, since they are doing them some spaces, yeah, we were discussing about uh, what is the benefits of the protocol. Uh, I mean, that. So I'm also waiting for him. I hope he's fine. So yeah, I can say that I'm also. Uh, how can I say? Uh, Wondering these questions answer because probably ordinal Maxis gonna be shocked as well. I'm also ex expecting their answers or their theirs because uh, lately I I heard some I mean thoughts about the core Bitcoin uh, yeah. developers. They were saying uh, these inscriptions are mm, spam. Not good. Yeah, spam or it's 
forcing the Bitcoin network or something. It was something like that. I didn't understand much. As I said, I'm not a tech guy, but uh, I, I'm also wondering this because I was uh, thinking to uh, do my inscription. I, I was actually waiting for the, I mean, the gas come down, but it seems like no, not going to come down for a while. So yeah, many questions in my mind. Thank yeah, you. well, I, I would encourage you to, to still inscribe because even if, and it's a very unlikely situation or scenario, but even if they were able to uh, prune ordinals going forward or remove ordinals going forward, which is basically unlike, uh, impossible, um, but if they were, your original ordinals would still be there and probably be very valuable so i'd encourage you to go and inscribe uh there was a huge space last night uh the ordinal show man we talked about it for like five hours last night uh, i encourage you to go listen to it there was uh we had you know some laser eye maxis on you know we had actually pretty good conversations about it um and not only are they is luke jr and ocean trying to censor ordinals but they're also censoring um these kind of mixing pools and stuff like this too so they're, they're trying to censor a whole bunch of different stuff on bitcoin so uh yeah there, there's a, a bit of a battle being drawn right a bit of battle lines being drawn on bitcoin right now interesting yeah it is at the heart so if you're new to bitcoin like at the heart of every bitcoin disagreement is this idea of spam no matter if you're talking about it on the main chain of Bitcoin from the Bitcoin core developers, or if you're on counterparty or, or ordinals or any of these others, it, it comes down to these like philosophical and ideological uh, disagreements of is Bitcoin used for transactions or is it used as a storage layer? And I think that's kind of where we are now, right? We got in 2017, it was the Bitcoin block wars with the miners and I, it seems like now we're headed to bitcoin jpeg wars mm -hmm. oh sure. right john you've made it bro <laughs> can you hear us he's joined us on the live stream so john's joining on the live stream hopefully he can get his uh get his sound hooked up yeah no problem at all i'm just glad that the building hasn't been burned down yet <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's at, that's at the heart of all of the Bitcoin kind of disagreements. So I, uh, to me, I, it's, I think the culture wars is already won. Ordinal is here to stay. You know, Luke, Luke doesn't have the power or authority to make this, these decisions, um, on behalf of the entire ecosystem. Yeah. He could, he can create his own block constructions through this like fork of Bitcoin core that he uses to use for ocean mining protocol or ocean mining pool. But Jonathan, how are you That's doing? Right. Pretty good. I think I think we're up and running now. We got you, yeah. man. Yes, <laughs> we got we got you, man. All right, against all odds. <laughs> <laughs> how funny is that? Yeah. Uh, so what we have, man, is just a, a test fire alarm. Literally two seconds before we're about to start. <laughs> It was literally eleven twenty-seven, and like my entire, I mean, like a six floor office building and all the alarms started going off uh and then yeah we all had to evacuate apparently it's like next door but like both buildings were evacuated uh for like 15 minutes so very exciting um and uh but yeah we just got the go ahead from the fire department so we're we're back 
Awesome. Awesome. If you, ha- <laughs> you happen to have your phone on you, um, could you join the space and then mute, mute yourself and I'll uh, bring you on stage so your followers can see um, that you're here as well. If okay, you can. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. One sec. I know it's, it's quite complicated when you start doing these like <laughs> recording systems. Like, like, where oh. am I talking into? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> what is this? This is, what the, is, this this is the future. Just, uh, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I just invited you on stage. Just uh, yeah, make sure that you mute your mic, and then we all talk through here. But it makes right. it, it makes it a lot easier because what we've learned as well is that when you record on the uh, video stream, uh, a lot of people like to watch it afterwards, and then it also helps with content. And so you kind of get um, you get people to listen and watch through like multiple um, degrees. Although it's not concentrated for the algorithm. When I first started podcasting, everyone always said. You only release the audio because that's where all the downloads are going to be. And I was always like, I mean, as, as long as they listen and watch it, who cares yeah. where they're from, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was that was the advice in like 2006 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Um, first, right, Super Rare has been around, I believe, April 2018 is when you guys co-founded it. One of the original three co-founders. Uh, a little bit of background about Emblem, Adam and myself, we come from this like historical NFT community, then started working at Emblem for all these like kind of cross-chain uh, type protocols and principles. Uh, but from a historical standpoint, I'm actually kind of curious, back in 2018 when you first started it, uh, Super Rare, what was the thought and kind of the, um, I guess, morale around NFTs towards the beginning of 2018 where you decided, hey, let's create a NFT platform that's specific to just art and the creators and not just, uh, and not for projects who want to, uh, create something that's more than like a one of one or one of 10 series. Yeah. Um, great question. Um, and yeah, plenty, plenty to dive in, but yeah, first just wanted to say, um, yeah, great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on and, um, yeah, congrats on, on emblem. Love what you guys are doing and, um, you know, I, uh, think the way we got connected is I've just been increasingly interested in NFT history and cross chain stuff. And, uh, yeah, just been, uh, trying to dig deep and into what you guys are doing too. So, um, yeah, stoked for this combo. Um, yeah. So in, in 2018, um, so my background is kind of like blends between, um, technology and the arts. I, I studied digital media in college. Um, Increasingly got interested in in Bitcoin and then kind of crypto and Web3 in general, um, as well as uh, entrepreneurship. Um, I was living in, uh, went to college in San Francisco, so was um, kind of tinkering with startup stuff uh, after college and then moved to New York where my two cousins um, were living, uh, John and Charles Crane. And, um, all three of us were, you know, doing a ton of, you know, research and and kind of nerding out with, with crypto stuff. And this is like 2015, 2016, 2017. And obviously we had like the, the big, uh, crypto bull run in, in 2017, that was mostly fueled by ICOs, uh, like coin offerings, like these token launches for those of you guys that were, um, around at that time. And, um, I wasn't super aware of NFTs, um, you know, at, at the time, you know, I'd, I'd, n- I'd known about Counterparty and like, you know, seen some of the sort of 
you know, gaming crossover experimentation happening in, in like the early days or like, you know, conceptually had like read a little bit about it. Um, but it was really like 2016, 2017, where we started to see traction pick up um, in, you know, on both like counterparty or Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum, you know, pr particularly with uh, rare, the rare Pepe community and um and then cryptopunks uh obviously launched around then too and then we had you know crypto kitties which is kind of like a, a follow-on along phenomenon still in the very early days um and that was around the time that um we started you know really kind of looking at this stuff i remember looking at it and being like what the fuck is pepe cash like what like <laughs> like what is happening there's like these meme markets like these people doing art and memes on bitcoin like uh, i you know it, it it took me a while to get it but um there was this aha moment of like oh shit this is digital media on chain like this is kind of like the, the convergence of two of my passions which is like digital art and media and and crypto and then the you know the light bulb went off and i was like oh wow like one of the big problems with the internet for creators has been the the infinite copyability of everything um and the you know the fact that yeah it makes connecting and building connecting with people and building a following really easy but it also makes your art like infinitely copyable um and so if there's a way to you know for artists to monetize their works um through this new thing like that would be that'd be really really interesting so um you know long story short we we started just kind of like hacking and you know coding something together in uh in a coffee shop in brooklyn um like fall 2017 and um we so i think this was like before like right before crypto crypto kitties had like launched and announced what they were doing and then um john and i were there was this really interesting uh, moment i think it was around yeah, it was, it was January, 2018. And we were like, there's gotta be other people working on this stuff. Like we were, you know, we had a working prototype going, like we had a, you know, MetaMask, like web three, like hooks in our, in our little like shitty, you know, first version of super rare. It was just like extremely basic. And we just Googled like, you know, digital art blockchain, like New York city. Yeah. And literally the next day was this event called rare uh rare af rare art, oh, fest. Rare art fest you went <laughs> literally the next day literally the like, next day. we better go man i guess we better go it's fun. so we we had been like kind of operating in our little bubble and like you know we knew about crypto punks but we were like wait the crypto punks guys are there um like joe looney from rare you know um rare pepe wallet and just we they were, they had this like splash page for for the event and we were just like oh my god this is ridiculous there's a, there's literally a conference on this tomorrow and it's right so, down the street we'll just yeah exactly awesome man. so um yeah i guess uh to your you know to your question about like what was what was the environment it was like it was it was it was oddball right like it was nobody was in it for the money we were just really trying to like um you know learn from each other and uh you know kind of like look and see if there there's anything uh anything there there so cool so cool i mean i i want to get into some some other history um but i mean obviously it was at that time uh without kind of this very other than i mean crypto kitties happened right um but then it died very quickly 
right? And so what was, you know, going into the middle of 2018, where you see this, you know, you see this explosion at the end of 2017, and then it just all starts to kind of like burn and fade away, right? As the hype fades very, very quickly. What was your, what was your thought at that time? Like, what were you guys thinking as a business? Like, geez, how are we going to make money at this? What were you, what were you going through at the time? Yeah. Um, so we, we didn't raise any money, um, for, for quite a long time. So we were kind of just like a extremely lean team. Like we're three technical founders. So, um, we were, you know, didn't have high overhead other than just, you know, kind of personal expenses. Um, and, the so you know we were we were kind of uh we had a pretty long-term you know mindset obviously i guess for for those for context for those that weren't you know extremely tuned in at this time that was like the start of this like really big bear market and you know when around the time super rare launched uh we saw eth go from about a thousand dollars all the way down to like eighty dollars within the next like 12 18 months and so that was the context that you know we were talking to investors and you know, uh, somewhat trying to fundraise and it was just this like horrible, you know, bear cycle. Um, and it was, it was, uh, investors didn't really get, um, NFTs at the time, uh, investors really wanted, um, there's, there's sort at least at the time there was a sort of allergy to, uh, art, uh, amongst the VC crowd and, uh, they all wanted us to pivot into gaming um <laughs> still and, do. Yeah. still do right exactly yeah. <laughs> um but around, at the same time you know market sentiment aside there was this jolt of lightning uh this sort of spark of magic around super rare like we had a you know telegram group and there was people who were just um so excited for what we were doing artists that who were able to mint their works um and you know, was, the landscape is quite different than it is uh, today. There was almost nowhere to mint an NFT. Um, OpenSea launched around the time we did, um, I think maybe a couple months earlier, but they didn't have minting tools at the time. Um, it was really, uh, you had to be kind of like an engineer as an artist to, uh, to mint your works. So um, yeah, there was just this like sort of electricity around the, the community and the vibe around, around Super Rare from the early days. And that's, I'd, I'd say, like what really kept us going. Um, that and just, you know, um, I'll, you know, I'll credit my co-founder John really for, um, yeah, almost turning this into a mantra of like, uh, we have this sort of first principles thinking around just like the, the utility of tokens and what the NFT standard uh, made possible. So if you think about the ERC-20 standard, um, it's, you know, the ability for anyone to launch a fungible currency on Ethereum, right? So, and we saw that have massive implications and sure, a lot of the ICOs that had happened uh, turned out to be, you know, vaporware or, you know, questionable, um, you know, results, but that doesn't change the fact that this is a very powerful outcome from a very simple tokens, you know, a thing like just like a token standard. And the ERC-721 token standard, which was being finalized around that time, um, you know, John kept, you know, coming, you know, like in conversations with me and other folks being like, this is a way, you know, if this takes off, this is a way to have property rights, digital, you know, objects digitally represented and tradable on chain. And that's going to be revolutionary, you know, like this is going to be 
fucking huge and like it doesn't really matter what the market is doing like as soon as people understand it um so yeah yeah i think it was like a combination of those two things like a very you know small but hardcore passionate early group of um artists and collectors who were just kind of vibing in the community and then you know what we saw is this sort of um fundamental possibility for you know tokenizing digital objects well, I'd love to get into more of the royalty discussion and, and new token standards uh, in just a minute. But first, before we get to that, back in 2018, uh, would love to get into the Lost Robbies because Lost Robbies are like, um, you know. Adam loves my, the Lost Robbies. It's one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite weeks of all, you know, um, this kind of rediscovery of, of uh old NFTs and stuff was my rabbit hole digging for a week uh, for, to try and find people who, who had lo lost Robbie. So it's one of my, uh, it's one of my favorite NFT projects of all time. So uh, I'd love your con, you know, you tell the story about, you know, what you your involvement was with it and uh, your remembrance of that history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot to dive, in, dive into, so I'll try not to <laughs> um, take too long. There's actually some pretty funny anecdotes, but feel free to, to um, probe and dive deeper into any of the aspects. Um, but yeah, so for, for context, um, this is a project by uh, Robbie Barrett, um, who's a really great um, you know, young pioneering um, AI artist. Um, and um, also involves Jason Bailey, who is, uh, for those who don't know, he's a, you know, he's a founder in this space. He's an art, uh, you know, data guy and somewhat of an art historian himself and just all around great guy. And these are, so Robbie is the, the first artist uh, on Super Rare and uh, Jason is the first collector. Um, and so they're actually both wrapped up in the, the launch story of uh, Super Rare. Um, basically like, we um, we were you know chatting with Jason and, and showing him prototypes, um, and then he was like, "Hey, there's these four artworks I want to buy by this you know whiz kid named Robbie. Can you guys launch Super Rare already so I can do this?" And we were like, "Oh fuck, we need to launch this thing." So <laughs> um, we we did that, and then we were like on the phone with with Robbie and Jason, and then they they transacted, and he collected these first four one of ones. Um, and then, you know, in the next couple months, Jason called us and was like, hey, um, I'm speaking at this thing called Christie's Art and Tech in London in July. And I want to pitch them. He's like, you know, these let's get these trad art folks, you know, to be aware of digital art. And like, let's, you know, I have this idea for how we can make a splash um, and maybe do something with Robbie. And the idea was to... Um, that was that these are, the event has these 300 gift bags and speakers and sponsors have the opportunity to like put something in the gift bag as a give, giveaway to the 300 attendees. And so it was sort of Jason's um, somewhat, you know, guerrilla or like subversive um, idea to put a piece of digital art in every single bag there to be able to get up on stage and say, well, you're now all all digital art collectors, like whether you knew it or not. Um, like everyone's gonna take you know take home a piece of digital art, um, and the artwork itself. Uh, it, it so the Robbie had made this series called the AI generated nudes, um, and I think there were five so far, 
And number six was an animated GIF that contained 300 frames. And so the idea that this is a sort of um, fractionalized one of one that had 300 components and each, each person in their GIF bag was going to get you know, one three hundredth of the artwork. And we thought it would be, we thought the market would price them accordingly, more like additions. Uh, it turned out not to be the case. The market has priced them like their own one of ones. Um, uh, and um, so, yeah, that was the setup. And it was up to us and our uh, three person team at the time to figure out how to make that happen. And so we, we flew to London. Um, we're staying in like a super shitty hotel. Uh, all three of us, like, you know, the, <laughs> the, the hotel actually, the headboard of the bed was this like big, like wooden headboard. And then there was just like, the bathroom was like attached to it. So you literally like when you, when you entered the bathroom, you were literally just like going into this wooden box. that was like attached to the bed. It was like the most bizarre hotel <laughs> in London I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I think it was just like the cheapest thing we could find. Um, and Charlie stayed up all night that night. Like the event was the next day and we had these gift cards and Charlie, who's our CTO, um, literally, so we, there was this process by which they had to be minted like by the artist um, who was in West Virginia at his parents' house. And um, it was like John and I, you know, kind of taking turns, like napping on the bed and then was like- he minting them and then sending them into the, the wallet? Is that what he was doing? So it was kind of before the days of collector minting and it was, um, we had this, you know, pretty strong ethos around the artists minting the works themselves um, in the, in the early days, um, as opposed to like just being, you know, a software engineer and like minting the artworks on behalf of the artists um, just to set up the provenance. So he actually, Charlie like made this script and then like had to like hop on the phone with Robbie and like have Robbie actually run it um, and do the 300 minting transactions and then like the distribution transactions to the wallet. So it took hours um, and then like many false starts, like the script would fail and they'd have to like start over. And uh, <laughs> Charlie was pretty much up all night, um, but we, we got it done. And then, um, yeah, the... Uh, the reception at Christie's, uh, shall we say, was um, was interesting. Um, the basically the whole my memory of it was like there was a couple people at Christie's who were um, you know advocates for in investigating art on the blockchain, um, but most of the you know traditional art world, a lot of European you know institutional folks there. We're just getting up on stage to poo-poo the idea and talking about how it would never work due to GDPR or like other <laughs> other concerns is dead on arrival. Like you know, uh, so basically, like digital art is like not real art, and blockchain will never be a real art use case. Um, and I love, I love how, how um, Art Gnome, who I've been on a couple spaces with, and he shared his little you know his view of what happened, and I love his fir the first thing was like. Christie's wanted to charge him to put them in the bags because yeah. they were looking at it as like, you know, like <laughs> you're, you're, I don't know, uh, super rare sponsoring the event. So you guys need to pay. He's like, man, I don't think that's going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like it, um, and it, you know, it turns out that the, the artworks that were, that he might've had to pay to put in people's bags were turned out to be like, you know, minimum six figure, <laughs> yeah. uh, items on this on the secondary market 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's basically the the origin story. Um, most of the history from there is known. Um, you know, most people did not uh, have the foresight to to claim them, and uh, hence the fact that you know we call them now the the lost Robbies. Only only a few people cared to claim them. I'm sure a lot of them got you know kind of thrown away as as conference uh, swag. But um, but yeah, the uh, the story kind of built from there over the years. I think the one question, and this was one that was uh, posed to Art Gnome as well, um, and I'll pose to you since we have you here. It's a, it's a, a, one of the biggest questions from collectors is, you know, these private keys, you know, lived on a spreadsheet somewhere. Um, did you guys destroy those, or you know, obviously it was given to maybe the the company that printed out the uh, cards themselves? Um, but as far as you recall, do you remember what you did with that? I mean, just to put it in context for everybody who's listening, Art Gnome was like, you, under, you don't understand. We thought of these things. It was like, we thought, I thought the value of each one might be like 30 cents to a dollar, right? It yeah. was, so there wasn't like, <laughs> how are we going to protect the valuable spreadsheet, right? Yeah. So just for context, but I'd love to have you, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, there's there, there. I think there's two interesting bits to dig in there. One was like the the attitude that we had around these, um, you know, NFTs at the time, and and secondly, the the security part. Um, so yeah, I mean, Artnum's art uh, sentiment it was was you know I, I think captures well um, what you know what we were thinking at the time. It was all just so experimental. And, you know, my anecdote for this, or, you know, one of my anecdotes is, you know, we, we all bought grails and sold them too early. Like all of us founders, all, you know, all the early collectors, it's just, uh, you, I don't think it's possible to, um, or at least wasn't for me to be around at the time and, uh, and, and not have that happen. Um, case in point, I bought a CryptoPunk on, I had this like experimental mobile wallet um, called Toshi. It actually turned into Coinbase Wallet through an acquisition, um, but it was just this like throwaway thing. I didn't, you know, didn't think I had it backed up. And I bought a CryptoPunk for fifty bucks, uh, like in a coffee shop, because I was like, oh, there's this thing. I need to like test out my wallet, and like, there's, you know, like I should get a punk. And then just like the phone died and bricked, and like I got a new phone. And then like you know, three years later, I'm like, oh shit, CryptoPunks are like becoming valuable. Like I fucked up. I then since uh, did find a seed phrase for that, and I, now I reclaim my CryptoPunk, and that's oh, wow, awesome. Um But but yeah, that's I think illustrates the attitude. It was it like nobody was like, or very very few people were like. Oh, I'm gonna get this card, and this Robbie is gonna be worth, you know, 500k someday, or like this punk is gonna be worth, uh, you know, as much as my house. Um, and um, the, but yeah, so specifically these cards. So it was it was a company called Ether Cards, and um, so we didn't actually we didn't actually have any touch point of the private keys. Um, this company, it's a UK based company. I. I just found their website that looks like they're still still up uh, in some form at least. Um, so they, you know, basically there's a level of trust with this uh, card and service provider. You know, they had information about how they did it in a blind way. You know, again, like there's some level of trust. I, I wouldn't send any uh, thing of like extreme value to any situation like that. Um, but that's basically how it works. So they gave us a list of 300 public keys 
Um, that's what went in our spreadsheet, and that's what Charlie's uh, script was like deploying each of the lost Robbies to. Yeah, it makes total that is, sense. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's interesting kind of looking back because that AI summit at Christie's was in July of 2018. Uh, right in the early stages of AI, also the early stages of NFT. So you're really kind of at the cross section of that. You know, Super Rare has kind of really been first to a lot of things. It was the first art NFT platform, or you could say early to it. It was early to royalties. I know there's a few companies that dabbled that beforehand. You also created the, uh, I guess, the artist allow list. Like, I don't know what the specific name is, where artists submit and then you approve them, then they could be listed on, on Super Rare. How, did, how does Super Rare go about um, evaluating innovation or new type of ideas to let in onto the platform or to kind of pursue? Because you're now, right, Super Rare is now moving into kind of this tokenomic aspect with the, uh, with the curation staking and you have, right, a DAO and some of these others. But you're also at the forefront of it because all of these artists are really just submitting all of these uh, new type of innovations to Super Rare to be listed. What's the pro process about um, identifying innovative ideas in the art world? Yeah, um, yeah, lots, lots to unpack there. Um, so in the in the very early days, um, it, you know, I, I guess taking a step back, it's it's one of those um, kind of ironic twists of fate that Super R became known for sort of exclusivity and, and curation. Because us founders were like, um, you know, in the first six months, we were like, all right, well, how do we do this? We're, you know, who gets to mint? Like, we want real artists. Like, I, it's going to have to be this, you know, sort of silly Google form at first, but then like, we'll figure out how to scale it. And there'll be like, you know, algorithms curating the content and it'll be open to everybody within like six months. You know, that's, that's how the internet works. Um, and then... As we went further and further along, um, it turned out that, um, you know, platforms that had, uh, you know, sort of competitors who had launched and um, had a completely open um, gate to who could, you know, mint to release work on the, on the platform, um, had a lot of problems with kind of fraud and authenticity. And, you know, there's a pretty big incentive for a bad actor to go out and say, like, um, oh, hey, I'm, th this is an X copy and like, maybe go out and like, you know, make five grand in, a, in an hour or something like that. Um, so that kind of like kept us uh, longer in the, um, you know, the practice of really trying to vet artists. And what we were really trying to do in the beginning is get authentic artists. We were trying to be pretty agnostic of, um, you know, like, tools or even like social followings like there were people getting on with with you know bigger followings but there's also like you know somebody who's just like you know making art in their parents basement and like you know uh, it, it we, our role was kind of like is this a real person um and you know as as the space grew um we you know developed more of a curation team and it the you know methodology was really to try to like have parity between art and, uh, artists and collectors. So we didn't want to have a world where there's like 250 collectors and like 25,000 artists on the platform because, you know, we thought that might tank the whole thing and like really hurt the long-term prospects for any of these artists. Um, and 
um, you know, we have a, at Subaru Labs, there's a great curation team. And, um, you know, I, I think particularly, like you mentioned with, with new techniques, I think with AI art and with uh, 3D art in particular, um, there's a wide, uh, there's like um, a subtle nuance be between stuff that's like really actually original and kind of pioneering and, and groundbreaking and uh what's just you know easy to just like you know watch a five, 30 second youtube video and just do a rendering uh, in you know kind of someone else's style um and so you know we built up a team of people who were um you know really good at sort of sussing out people doing artists doing like really really original stuff um particularly in, in those two arenas um and for for a long time um the person on the team doing that was uh, Alessio Devecchi, the artist, um, who's like a 3D, uh, 3D art guru. Um, but yeah, I, I can speak a little bit to the the protocol and kind of what we're what we're trying to do with curation staking too, if that sounds good. Yeah, please. Yeah, so um, you know, all along we founders have been, you know, trying to like the the big goal here is to try to really make the web three creator economy a large and thriving sector of the internet um and you know the i guess to go back to something i, I was talking about earlier um this you know web three and blockchains have the potential to really revolutionize the economics of how we how we you know interact on the internet web two has been great for certain aspects it's pretty incredible you can go out and get you know millions of followers on a you know an app for free if you if if you have the you know the the talent or the time or the you know whatever it takes to to do so, um, but the Web two world that we all grew up in um, is literally designed around selling ads. So it, for creators on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or you know Tumblr or any of these you know creator platforms. Um, there's a complete lack of alignment in incentives between the creator and the platform itself. And uh, what I mean by that is, you know, creators want to, you know, do cool shit, put it out there, uh, get it appreciated, and ideally, in most cases, um, you know, make a living off of it. Platforms like Instagram, they just want to sell ads. <laughs> um, and so if they could, they would have no creators whatsoever. If they could just have contracts with advertisers, that'd be great, right? Like just completely eliminate, uh, uh, you know, the, the the obstruction to them getting more ad revenue. Um, and so, you know, what we saw with, uh, in the very early days, what we saw with NFTs is this new ability to monetize creative work on the internet. Um, and the, you know, so all that is to say, you know, we've been, trying to build with scalability in mind from the beginning and the you know curation and exclusivity um was is kind of like a um you know a phase i think to get there um it, you know it, it's is useful in the early days um or, or when there's like a, you know lack of understanding around how this how this ecosystem or you know how this technology works and not many collectors and all that stuff um so, you know, in, how do you scale curation? How do you scale um, 
you know, sort of authenticity, how do you scale reputation, these sorts of things that um, the role of a centralized gatekeeper uh, plays. Um, so that's something we've, we've put a lot of time into. Um, when the DAO was launched in 2021, um, one of the first initiatives was super rare spaces. Um, and that was a first step towards community governance as well as decentralizing uh, curation. So spaces are essentially galleries um, run by community members on SuperRare with curatorial autonomy. And um, Rare Protocol um, with, and curation staking, which uh, launched earlier this year and is um, in mainnet beta. And um, I think you've got, got the site up here. You can find it at uh, app.rare.xyz. Um, this is a way to um, have a crowdsourced curation reputation uh, signal on chain um, based on the activity of, of rare token holders. And so the idea is that, um, you know, while we have a lot of uh, on chain, like, like most of this market is on chain, the art itself is on chain, um, the provenance is on chain, even our identities with ENS are increasingly uh, on chain. Um, and this is, you know, a, a first step towards having a qualitative signal, um, such as, you know, what's the, you know, what's this curator's take on this artist, or how popular is this uh, artist or collector, um, and like what's so walk us through like a, a real world example. Like we're looking at Bats right there, right? Who's a yeah. collector? Like walk us through just so I, we can understand it. You know, for the smooth brains, myself included. Like how Absolutely. does it actually work? Like for a collector, like like Bats. Yeah. So let's go back to Bats. Um, and you can see, uh, if you click on, um, okay. Yeah. So if you click on curated list, yep, that's okay. Okay. That's, that's where we're there. So, um, basically in a nutshell, um, with curation staking, um, you can take rare tokens and stake them, um, in a, what we call a community pool. So it's like a staking pool for any wallet address or any ENS name. And, and by doing so, you're um, adding them to your curated list and uh, setting it up so that if that person makes a sale, you get a percentage of their fees. Um, and so what this really is, is like, this is like an on-chain list of people you really, really want to support and think are, you know, think are legit. Um, so it's, you know, it's a bit like social network following, but it's, it's on-chain. And there's this additional parameter of quantity of tokens uh, staked. So this is this You're is basically a like number on each of those artists, basically. So like, yep. With bats there, Jake, if you want to go back one, he, whatever he's staking on. Um, uh, I saw Robbie Barrett, and I saw Claire Silver and X Copy. So he's staking a certain number of his tokens to each one of those artists as a signal that he supports those artists, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And so. Um, you know, a huge motivator for this is discovery. Um, I think discovery is like the, the crux issue right now in crypto art and NFTs. And um, you can easily see how this is a tool towards decentralizing curation and discovery. So if you're somebody who's like, well, fuck Zebra Labs, I don't, I don't care about what they're creating or like fuck Christie's or whatever. I want to go see who my guy's curating or like my lady's curating and like, I love bat soup. So I'm going to go to his profile and then you can discover artists that way. Um, and 
um, yeah, so that's the that's how this turns into a um, sort of curation and discovery engine. I found okay. you, Mr. Human Sorry. Zero. Just, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting kind of how the, um, I guess, trends tend to fade and then come back depending on how early you are within the cycle of adoption. It, when I first got into the space in, in 2016, 2017, you know, tokenomics were kind of tokenomics on a white paper, not really implemented, where kind of really all the hype was. Then it faded away. And then in 2021, it was all about, you know, art, the way for artists to make royalties or to make, uh, to make money is essentially through royalties. And then tokenomics came back and you had, you know, tokenomics that were added to, to looks rare, to blur, to X2Y2, and even before that, NFTX and, uh, and Rari all added their variation of tokenomics and kind of brought this idea back to the mainstream. Of course, right, royalties kind of essentially went to zero or have been under, you know, just a heavy attack in terms of trying to eliminate that in general. Was was this idea of tokenization of curation and kind of trying to decentralize that, was that an original vision or is this something to try to supplement um, that loss of, of royalties? Although I know Super Rare has kept that 10% intact, but overall surrounding Super Rare in the market, um, everyone's really trying to uh, disincentivize royalties because the, the marketplaces themselves um, are saying, hey, we have a bottom line and this is how we survive and artists are going to have to figure out a different way to uh, generate revenue. Yeah, great question. Um, again, there's there's lots to dig into there. Um, with tokenomics, you know, we like we founders have always been interested in token tokenomics. I think it's one of like programmable money is I I think still just one of the most interesting things about Ethereum um, and you know blockchains in in general um, and again we are, you know i i try to have a view that's sort of um i try to like you know psychologically sidestep what is um extremely popular or extremely uh, unpopular um you know when we launched in 2018 tokens were like the least popular thing in the entire world like everyone got burned uh, by the ico craze and anyone that you know had a token in 2018, it was just like, fuck you and your token, you know? Um, but, uh, and, you know, it's like, we all lost money in that market downturn. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, we lived through the whole ride too. But tokens are still powerful and still this great um, tool for aligning incentives between the users of a platform and the platform itself. Um, and I think that's like, that's a really fundamental thing. Um, and, with you know with curation staking and what i think the opportunity is here is to have you know we're trying to decentralize curation and so there needs to be some incentive for people to go do this activity um and having a you know token mechanism by which people can earn money being a tastemaker um in web3 that's uh that's kind of the idea there and that's yeah you know I, I think that there's a big opportunity there. Um, and really just to, you know, at a high level, align incentives between people who are true believers in, in the Web3 creator economy and like, you know, find, uh, find ways to, to participate. 
Um, and with regards to royalties and income for uh, for creators, um, yeah. So you know, we've always been very pro royalty. Um, I think just you know being around at the launch of Ethereum and you know smart contracts and programmable money, it's just a screaming use case for smart contracts to me. Um, you know, being a, a longtime music fan. I bought a lot of, you know, a ton of used records and, you know, we've all bought art and records on the secondary market and just having an, you know, having the idea of, okay, what if every time you bought that record, or every time you bought a piece of art, um, a percentage of that goes back to the artist or the artist's estates. And we can do that with Ethereum. Like, the, you know, this was like mind blowingly cool to us in 2018. Um, and, you know, we were doing a lot of networking in, in New York city and, you know, met people who had done, research papers and uh, work in the legal attempts at trying to make royalties a thing in the art market, um, which with, with mixed results in most jurisdictions. Um, but <laughs> funny enough, in the, the you know, like, like I said, the environment in 2018 was, was very interesting. It was a mix of people who were very forward looking and very optimistic and, you know, artists who were into technology and technologists who were into art, but it was also like very hardcore sort of game theoretical Bitcoin and crypto people. And royalties are not a game theoretically sound concept. Uh, <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, if you sit down with a Bitcoiner uh, and like, I, you know, I, I love Bitcoin, all of us, uh, founders are, you know, sort of Bitcoin Kool-Aid drinkers as well, um, as well as Ethereum. But, um, you know, it's, it's easy to see how any, any royalty um, scheme, if you meet up with somebody in a coffee shop and exchange cash for a key, then you're bypassing royalties, right? So like the, you know, the prevailing sentiment at the time was like, well, if it's not something you can enforce, like why do it at all? And we took a totally different approach. We said, well, even if some artists get money on the secondary market, if it's done the right way, then that's great. Those artists are getting money, right? Like who cares if you can't have it be this ironclad thing? Um, so that that was kind of our stance. And then, you know, happily, a lot of um, other marketplaces over the years um, either changed their stance on it or launched. It kind of became... Uh, for well, for a while, amongst the art platforms, it was quite standard. And then, um, over the past year, eighteen months, with the rise of more of the high frequency trading, uh, you know, platforms like Blur, et cetera, there's been uh, obviously, uh, you know, well well known uh, sort of er zero. erosion of that. Yeah. <laughs> what well, do you feel like? There's going to be a, um, you know, a token protocol or something that comes out that kind of solves this or it's always going to be a a choice for collectors and marketplaces to kind of um you know either play whack-a-mole or you know decide on something and then just kind of go forward like you are right now with providing layers of experience and curation and stuff on top where you just you're hoping to to get collectors to come to a, a place that they can trust and and love yeah um you know, I'm I'm generally optimistic, uh, uh, you know, ab about this. Um, I, I'm generally an optimist. Uh, 
I don't, you know, that said, I don't believe there's an ironclad, you know, technolo technological solution to this. Um, like I said, because, of, you know, there's nothing that can ever prevent two people from meeting up and doing an off-chain transaction, which, you know, by definition doesn't have a royalty. Um, so I think the, um, the key here is, so I, I think that there's always going to be, obviously, like, like you said, there's this race to the bottom. If there's anonymous profit-seeking traders that just want to buy, you know, buy an NFT, um, and sell at the same day for a 5% profit, obviously that type of trader is going to be allergic to the concept of royalties, because if you take a 10% haircut on every one of your trades, um, your, you know, your trading scheme doesn't work. Um, that's very different than collecting art, right? Or even like collecting a PFP that you want to jump in and vibe with the discord and like have it on your, your Twitter avatar. Um, and so I do think that the, um, you know, social proof is a more reliable, um, mechanism and one that's more likely to have a, uh, an impact in, um, in for, you know, quote unquote, enforcing royalties for people who care about, um, you know, supporting the artists and even their standing as collectors in, in the market. Um, and so, yes. And I, and I think there's, I, I you know, and I, th I think that's, uh, so I think we kind of have to take the middle path essentially, but I think there's like really effective things that we can do as a community to, um, you know, sort of make it obvious, you know, like give incentives for collectors, um, to, you know, um, to, to honor royalties, um, as well as make it obvious when certain people are not uh, honoring royalties. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time out there, but it feels like the market is now starting to turn around a little bit. Sentiments high, you know, you're getting some some trading going, volumes returning. Uh, thinking about kind of like where the future is going over the next, you know, we'll say 12 to 24 months, because who knows how long the bear market or the bull market will extend to. What What do you think that state of art NFTs will look like? Is it going to be something similar to the last bull run where a lot of these artists are, well, let me step back a little bit. Last bull run, um, NFTs kind of had their coming out moment and a lot of those early artists then were now are now glorified, right? As the, the OGs, the legendary artists, the X copies, et cetera. Will we see another wave of that, of fresh new artists coming in and becoming mainstream like X copy, or are we gonna see something, some new variation of trend within our NFTs over this bull run? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, I the the last bull run was yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was kind of the coming out moment. Um, it was the first time I could like talk to anybody in my life who's not like directly involved in crypto and have them have any idea what I what I do. Uh, <laughs> um, the last bull run was really kind of fueled by and centered around PFPs, at least a lot of the, the volumes. Um, and I'm not sure if that's going to be the, the, the case or not. I, I, I hope that um, it indexes more on the art side. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, my sense is that um, 
among the trends we're seeing now and that I'm I'm really bullish on and I think we're going to be a really big thing in the um, in the next bull cycle is artist sovereignty. Um, so I think the the last cycle was very you know sort of in the early days and very platform centric. Um, a lot of artists are now you know embracing tooling that gives them you know creative sovereignty over their um, their you know whether it's the, the release, uh, the minting tooling, the marketing. Um, with the smart contracts, um, and uh, you know, so I, I think that's a really big trend um, that we're going to see a lot of. Um, I think there's going to continue to be an explosion and experimentation on different chains and L2s, um, and I think we're going to, you know, I think artists are inevitably going to just continue push. Well, one thing I'm really excited about is just to see the the boundaries just continuing to be pushed on what is art um and i you know whether it's more you know other sorts of media like music nfts or um you know more interactivity uh more blending with gaming um like we've we've seen a lot of artists experimenting with that um i think there's just like a um you know the sky's the limit with uh, what it, what how that could evolve and that's the sort of thing that is um you know truly pioneered by by artists so um, I don't know. That's my maybe through rose colored color, colored lenses, but um, I think the my hope is that the next bull run we see even more creativity. Uh, artist sovereignty is, uh, I think, the right way to to frame it, and then combine that with experimentation, and that's kind of what we're seeing now, um, moving across these different blockchains. It, it feels like the current market uh of or i guess the current nft industry has you probably used more blockchains over the last bear market and now emerging into this bull market than ever before i've already been on six seven eight different blockchains over this last year where you know the majority of people were prevented because of this idea of tribalism artists are beginning to explore tezos they did last year and then now bitcoin and, and ordinals in terms of this high art we're seeing bitcoin shrooms as a collection that's going to be sold at sotheby's the auction started now uh have you or super rare interested in expanding to this multi-chain approach of adding uh, support for either tezos or or bitcoin ordinals where the the potential you know market cap or I guess say liquidity pool on Bitcoin is much larger than than anything else that exists out there, and you know, with at Emblem, Adam and I, we helped Coldy, who's you know a, a popular artist, experiment with ordinals in the in the early days, and we're starting to see other artists like Rip Cash and a few others do this as well. Do you think Super Rare um, may find a way to add Bitcoin support, or at least in, or at least infer that there's possibly going to be uh, multiple blockchain supported so that artists can practice their type of sovereignty. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm super interested in what's happening and on ordinals and, um, you know, like I said, we, we've been kind of nerds for like, you know, counterparty and, uh, you know, rare Pepe community and, um, the, the really OG projects. Um, so it's in, in that ways, it's been kind of multi-chain from this, from the start. Higher, you know, the, the space has been. Um, so yeah, there's there's two parts to talk about on one on the super side and one on the rare protocol side. Um, so you know, really, the goal of super rare is to 
the you know the best creator platform possible. And so I think that um, a lot of that is in artists' sovereignty, and you know just really letting artists represent themselves um, as as they want to in the best possible way, and helping them with distribution and helping them um, you know sell works and and connect with collectors. And so where we um, you know where we want to see Superware go is a world that's kind of more chain agnostic. So you know, exploration and discovery through the front end is an extremely important aspect. And then, you know, you're starting to see this on some platforms where there's, um, you know, just a signifier next to the art, whether is this on ETH, is this on like a base type L2, or is this, you know, is this on, on Bitcoin, you know, is this an ordinal? Um, so I think that's, that's really the, um, the ultimate goal with, uh, with super rare and really just to, to be kind of agnostic and support where, um, where creators want to take this space. Um, and yeah, with Rare Protocol, so I wanted to share something with you guys in case you hadn't seen this yet. Um, I'll drop it in the chat here. Um, so this is, um, you know, the, the biggest thing we're working on now with, uh, with Rare Protocol is um, this, we are, we're kind of, um, you know, calling this a, a rebrand or a slight pivot of the Rare DAO. And um, the DAO was launched around um, the construct of, of Super Rare, and you know we've now launched the the Rare Protocol brand. And um, what we really want to do is tackle discovery at a, the at the protocol level. And so you know there's this really fundamental problem of fragmenta you know fragmentation in this space. If you think about a creator who's like you said minting on Tezos, minting on Ethereum, minting on um, base, minting on Zora, et cetera. Um, those are potentially all with different minting addresses and in some cases, you know, incompatible blockchains that don't talk to each other. Um, so what we want to do with Rare Protocol, you know, again, as a, as a community and DAO initiative is to build this, you know, build a canonical registry of these, you know, creator addresses and then, you know, subsequently more and more data that can kind of enable somebody to get a picture of what's going on in this uh, in this new art market whereas right now you kind of need like a team of engineers <laughs> to help you you know kind of dig in um, and then this is where the curation staking system um, is really effective because rather than having many different you know sort of fragments of an artist's identity you can like get this as a data object and see, see like okay the, this is Coldy's ordinals address these are his three ETH addresses. This is maybe his Tezos address if he's doing stuff there. Um, and then Rare Protocol is this sort of you know community-owned public good layer that can provide that data for you know for users and uh, and developers. One thing along that that line, and I, I can't remember if it was the Dada crew was discussing this, was like the idea of um, not only tracking ownership of of a work but allowing or enabling kind of like commentary from mm. a Adam owned this, I own this one. And I don't know, being ad, able to kind of share the lore of a, of a piece of art, right. Which is so important in kind of traditional, you know, art when you think about who owned this Rembrandt and then it's kind of passed down and, you know, are you guys playing around with that as well? Is that, has that been talked about? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, actually the, it's, 
good timing. You have this this slide pulled up. Um, the, the you know one way one lens uh, through which to look at this is you know what it says right there, which is on-chain data aggregation and, and synthesis. So aggregation, there's there's kind of this like just wrote technical task to you know to do those mappings. Um, like I said, of like okay, cool, like what's the take an artist or collector like how can we in a trusted way get a pretty good idea of like what are, what all their addresses are on these different chains um and then you know similar thing you know similar task with you know minting co you know, token contracts or even nfts themselves and then how do we crowdsource uh more interesting data on top whether that's like the curation staking um or you know um taxonomy is an important one like um you know there's web2 platforms where you know there's you know users you know tagging content and stuff like that um that could go on chain and then like you said having um you know attestations or, or like sort of docents notes or like former collectors notes um i think is another one that that fits that category um that there are you guys familiar with um the scribe uh, project that, that conlon from async made a few years back uh is, are you talking about the one on bitcoin or or a the one the early scribe platform from 2013 or this is something on ethereum um yeah it's on ethereum so conlon um the founder of async art made this ah. thing um called nft scribe and it uh it's pretty cool and it's it's essentially a smart contract that you can i think you like send the nft to it and it allows you to um you know write some notes if you're the owner or something like that i don't, I don't know exactly how it works but yeah, the, there's the cool. there's the github um it you know it's it's a fairly niche sort of community experiment but yeah a great question adam i think that'd be like super interesting um, aspect to build into the protocol. You know, it just reminds me of, I don't, I'm sure you've seen it. it there's these old um, prints. It's the, the wave, the Japanese uh, artist did, you know, the print of that wave, very famous. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I read an article. It might've been one of your blog posts as well. I can't even remember, but um, how different collectors when collecting um, this, these sort of art, they would, they would put their own personal stamp on on the work, like on the back or whatever. So you could see the lineage of, of, of who owned the piece. Right. Yeah. And, um, I always just thought like that just vibe for me. And I think vibes for a lot of collectors, it's just cool to know, you know, in a more rich way, who's owned this. I mean, yes, we can look it up and I can see who owned, but I just think there's, we've talked about this a lot. There's this, there's this layer, which is just being experimented with now of like the provenance is all on chain. Right. And and this is uh, just kind of a nice way to to see it and and view the history of of these works. Yeah, and like adding depth to the experience of collecting and ownership. You know, I think that um, you know in the in the early days it was you know the main the big hurdle was like why the fuck would you ever collect digital art? <laughs> you, know, and it, it, you know, it is different than collecting traditional art. And I, I think we've started to see a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the benefits are, are known. But um, to me, that's also just like another really, really interesting aspect and reason um, why you might want to, you know, build your digital collection and like, you know, kind of deepen your connection with that piece. 
It's 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 interesting because um, there was a plat there was a NFT marketplace platform I think it was oh digital objects in 2018 to where you could add uh, essentially a back to all of your NFTs where the artist would like sign the back of whatever the picture is and you can add kind of whatever personalization. We've seen uh, individuals attempt you know signatures digital signatures on on your art. At Emblem Vault, we've actually had somebody ask us uh, recently, they're like, hey, can can you make Emblem Vault picture frames to where I could take my art from any chain and then the vault is the frame that then will take it into Ethereum example, right? This is a big, if I have an art Bitcoin ordinals, I'll put it into an Emblem Vault that's a picture frame so you can style it however you want and go hang it up in your metaverse gallery. So I think, yeah, Adam and, and John, you guys are right that, you know, we will see, you know, this proliferation of what art accessories may be. I'm not I'm not a trad art kind of guy, but um, personalization is important. It just feels like it hasn't really hit yet to the market. Um, so that'll be exciting. But John, you know, it's funny because you guys are creating that aggregation. It's the same thing we do at Emblem Vault is we're trying to get everything corralled into one exact area. For example, we have one one of our buddies has uh, a meme. He created a meme project on like seven different protocols between like Bitcoin stamps, Bitcoin ordinals, ETH, description, all of these. And so we're going to put it all on one smart contract so you can essentially have them all lined up on one collection of these seven protocols, but they're all on ETH. So uh, I yeah. think there are some cool opportunities there. Yeah, no, I, I love what you guys are doing uh, at Emblem. Um, I'd love to to nerd out and, and chat more uh, in depth about it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a super interesting problem, right? Like nobody knows, um, you know, what this ecosystem is going to look like in, you know, in 10 years. Um, but the, you know, the, the problem, you know, just the, this ecosystem is, it just completely flips the internet on its head, right? Like the, the platforms that we, that we know and think of as um, you know web platforms, the data is constrained to the platform, right? Like YouTube videos are just on YouTube, like tweets are just on Twitter, um, and the you know these are now content platforms. You know, these blockchains are turning into content you know databases essentially, with the platforms built on top and the data kind of being open and shared, which is just like um, none of us really know what what this even means yet i think and you know creators are um just doing what they do and experimenting and uh trying out different flavors and combinations of things um but there's you know there's a single thread of all these things being created by a creator and as we've seen in the traditional art world that's kind of what gives those things value and so um yeah the the technical project of you know stitching all that together in a in an accessible way is like a really interesting problem. Yeah, the, one of our beliefs is what either this bull run or next bull run, the the interoperability protocols um, will, will be center stage, whether it's you know providing liquidity from one chain to another or the social capital, which is what I found really interesting with, with the NFT space is, and you know, we've all been, all of us on, on stage here, we've been in the space for a while and it was very tribalistic without NFTs. And then once NFTs came, it kind of kicked the door down for everyone to just say, doesn't matter where, where my JPEG is, right? Yeah, maybe this one <laughs> chain has a preference, but the social capital tends to carry with it no matter what chain it exists on, which was completely, it's completely opposite of what the fungible token space is. It is very, very interesting. 
Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'll take a few more, a few questions. I know Barack um, has been waiting patiently on stage. He said he's a big super rare fan. I know he had a question. Uh, do you have a question for John? If anybody else wants to come on stage and ask a question, we'll take a few before we close it up. So good, Brock. Actually, I asked my questions privately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were discussing about Bitcoin. Uh, you asked this question. I mean, Bitcoin is going to be in the super rare or not? Or, I mean, actually, uh, I'm also rare fan, the rare protocol, because uh, it's too much tech stuff in the NFT, I mean, art space, you know? Uh, it's sometimes really confusing. You don't understand what are you in, wh which contract with which website, what should you should do. You should, I mean, connect your wallet or not. I mean, but <clears throat> uh, making the things simple, uh, I mean, the UX, it's actually really important for me. Uh, no, I mean, in one page, I can see my all creations, and uh, it's safe. I mean, my Tezos wallet, my Ethereum, my Bitcoin wallet. I mean, it's really cool. That's why I'm following the rare pro protocols. What are they doing? And really grateful. Uh, thanks God, he opened a, a pool for me as well. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm there just uh, and following what they're building actually. <clears throat> So nowadays, I don't have any question, new questions. <laughs> uh, thank you. Cool, cool. Uh, we do have a few more on stage. Um, I'm calling Gnome first. GM, long time to see. Uh, how are you, Ben? And uh, what question do you have for Jonathan? GM Jake, uh, yeah, all good. Oh my God, something with my whiskey. <laughs> That's all of us. <laughs> I was drinking a tea, so maybe that's why. Yeah, good morning to everyone. Really exciting conversation, you know, especially connecting different blockchains of uh, like, because, and also they all work differently, right? Like on Ethereum, we have smart contracts, although on Bitcoin, we just have Bitcoin addresses. And even on Bitcoin, I can have like several addresses for my art. So that's why like connecting everything in one place feels feels good. Feels like it's, it's going to be a better UX, UI experience for me as an artist and just to, you know, see everything in one place, excited about this innovation. Um, I have a question to super rare Perkins. Um, how do you see, because you're uh, deeply involved in the Ethereum community, um, what do you see are the benefits of the ordinals and what are the limitations from like what you heard from people, you know, from the artists, from the builders? I just want to, you know, get your perspective about ordinals and uh, maybe get some lessons from there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, thanks for, um, thanks for hopping up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, going back, it, Bitcoin was my personal entry into this whole space, um, starting in, in 2013 and, you know, the other super founders and I were sort of indoctrinated in, into this whole world through the Bitcoin white paper and the, the early community there. Um, and so there's this, um, you know, I guess just the, the you know, the, the legacy and the Lindy effects of Bitcoin um, itself, I think, uh, have potential to, to carry over. And, you know, I've, I've heard artists say this directly um, 
for those of you who know the artist Paper Buddha, he's doing an Ordinals uh, project. And in his Telegram, he, you know, the way he put it is, Bitcoin is like my home chain. Um, and so after experimenting with, you know, my art on lots of different chains, um, I, it feels great to be doing something with Ordinals. Uh, and, and so I think even um, from a non-technological uh, standpoint, there's really interesting um, opportunities there. Um, if, you know, for those reasons, and like you know, like Jake said earlier, there's uh, you know, there's a you know much wider potential uh, collector base um, to uh, to tap into. So I think that's that's uh, particularly interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's uh, I think it's a fairly small technological change for like wallet providers to um, to add Taproot. Or I, I'm not super technical on like the the aspects that are needed, but it's not like a brand new chain with a brand new set of um, you know wallet infrastructure that needs to be uh, rolled out and launched and capitalized. Like there's there's like a massive, massive, massive um, audience and um you know set of tooling that's already set up for bitcoin so i, I think just from a network effects uh standpoint um that's particularly why or you know those are some reasons why ordinals are are very interesting um and but you know like i'm also uh fairly ag agnostic or open-minded too right like if um if new l2s or new chains launch that um, creators and collectors find uh, really interesting. Um, I'm not one to, you know, particularly be uh, trying to hold on to ETH L1 or, or Ordinals or anything else in particular. Like I, I, I think this space is going multi-chain, and I'm interested to see where the experimentation kind of continues happening. Yeah, it art is art on Bitcoin is currently being explored. There's nothing really that's set themselves or there's no clear leader yet. And for independent artists like like Gnome, they're trying to get themselves out to a, a wider audience than kind of the small market. And the infrastructure has drastically improved since it was even four or five months ago. It is quite wild. So Gnome, thank you for the the question. We're gonna call on uh, Awful Eye and then I'll, we'll go to Cardi and then um Alon owns us right after. Hey, what's up, y'all? How's everybody doing? What's good? What's up, Offline? Man, doing doing good, man. Doing good. Um, I, I do have a question. I, I don't know if it's about the uh, rare protocol or not, but well, no, it's it's not. It's about super rare though, John. Um I I have a question. Um, and this is mainly as me as a collector. Um, and it might help uh collectors actually like um want to do the royalties um you know all right you know how like on open sea you can um like you, like a shopping cart where you can add where you can do like multiple purchases at once um do y'all plan on implementing anything like that anytime soon and also a dark mode is there going to be a dark mode <laughs> <laughs> When More dark importantly, mode. dark mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Let me um, let me address that that uh, the last one first. Um, there, there actually secretly already is dark mode. Um, so um, for for those that don't know, we're um, we're doing a pretty big technical rebuild of the Super Air app, kind of from the ground up, um, and rolling it out sort of uh, piece by piece. So 
the new it's it's not totally publicly available now but the um the new um auction mechanism uh, or the new minting mechanism that we just launched with uh with pindar's release uh, a week or two ago um that page actually had like if you were one of the collectors minting that page uh, or minting that series there that was like the first um the rubber hitting the road with the new app and that had a dark mode on it so um I think that meant it out in two minutes, so it was, uh, you might have missed it. But yeah, anyway, dark mode is coming. Dark mode for two minutes, man. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to, yeah, we want to keep it rare. Um, and um, yeah, as far as the, um, I guess, the, the, the add to cart functionality, to be honest, that's not, um, yeah, I don't know. Feel free to send me more notes on, uh, on, on that. Um, in the DMs or whatever. Um, I think partly they use wrapped ETH to um, at least enable you to do like batch uh, or sort of like fractionalized ordering. Um, yeah, WETH is something um, we're certainly considering adding, um, but not anything more specific around like a shopping cart. Awesome. I uh, appreciate that. Next is uh, Cardi Lucy. I think I pronounced that right. Yes, it's awesome. Jess Cardellucci. Um, great conversation. I've been really enjoying listening to this. Um, my question was kind of, um, and I hope you didn't answer it, but if you didn't, um, even just some clarity would be great because I know some of it is so complex, like me understanding the rare protocol and the staking. It took me a long time to really sit and kind of figure it out. And I'm sure there's all nuances that I still need to learn. But um, how does Super Rare plan to? kind of utilize that for the platforms. I know you talk a lot about other people being able to use this and decentralizing the curation a bit, but like, you know, is this going to be used? I mean, it's only, can you stake on artists not on Superware already? Is this going to affect the onboarding? Are you going to use this, how you curate and highlight artists? Like kind of what's your vision for, for artists to kind of understand? And I know this will go, I, I believe, beyond Superware. I, I think you expressed you want others to use it as well. Like you said, cross-chain. Um, but like just for a basic vision for artists like myself to really get like a basic starting point of how you kind of see it being used. And I'm sure there may be more case use cases in the future, but like, how do you see yourself using it versus just, I know you mentioned like going to a collector's profile and seeing who they've staked on, but I would also kind of argue, you can kind of go do that and see who they've collected from. So what are some other use cases you see this being used for? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming up and good question. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, the driving overarching goal is it to improve discovery um, and, you know, kind of empower uh, or de decentralized curation and, and discovery. Um, and so, you know, we absolutely, you know, see this being used on super rare as well as other platforms. Um, so, you know, one, one way that you just mentioned, um, it is already actually live. You can go to a super rare profile and see, um, you know, who's staking on that person and, and, you know, who's, who's on their curated list. Um, and I think there, there's no like uh, specific date for, for launching this, but, um, once there's a bit more network effects around the staking, um, the plan really is to, have that um, have the you know staking system or maybe like a lightweight reputation system built on top be um, how you know 
how artists are discovered in the platform or to put another way, like who gets, uh, you know, who gets onto super rare as an artist. Um, so, you know, that's something that we want to have as like, you know, DAO curated, um, you know, the, the uh, artists or, you know, that part of the system. Um, and then, yeah, there's just, I think there's a ton of other, um, you know, ways that this could be used for discovery, right? Like what we have now with, with curation staking is kind of, on-chain peer-to-peer um, social graph or like social connections. And um, that's really interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, even just from like a data visualization perspective, um, if you go to radar.rare.xyz, that's like a, you know, um, early data visualization site that, that we spun up where you can kind of see like communities forming or like, the, you know, the, the way these things um, map out into, um, you know, overlaying um, communities and connections that I think, you know, can really easily turn into um, art discovery and discovery of artists. Um, and, you know, another just very pragmatic way is, you know, you can look at um, feeds of art and feeds of activity based on staking um, behavior. And so, um, you know, there's a very basic version of this live now, or if you go to an, um, somebody's uh, staking profile, you can kind of see their, see a feed of art based on their uh, staking activity. So um, you can see how having that on SuperRB, like you can kind of almost see like a curated feed of art based on the preferences of, of anyone who's um, you know, staking in the network. Have you ever thought about just along that line, doing something similar to what I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, was it portal or whatever this past uh, week where they were saying, Hey, you're going to get some sort of reward. If you on X tweet about this, right. And tag, um, you know, portal or whatever the, the, the name of it was. And then they're doing some sort of off chain, you know, watching, you know, X and then rewarding with tokens um, based on like, you know, some, so kind of this connection between, you know, something that's on chain, like you're doing to an off chain, like mechanism on a social media site, like X. Did you track that at all? So, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, uh, I guess at a high level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's super interesting. Um, we don't have any specific plans for that, but what you know um you know what what i keep going back to is you know discovery um the, it's this like very fundamental problem and you know for it's it's kind of two-sided for uh for collectors everyone wants to like discover up-and-coming artists and stuff that inspires them and um for artists like everyone wants their drop to be more successful or their you know their next uh, you know the next thing that they're working on they wanted to meet uh, the right and be discovered by the right people. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we've learned, um, just through, you know, a long time in this space is that, um, you know, just a simple thing, like having somebody market your release, whether, you know, it's on the super rare Twitter account or elsewhere is like, there's limitless demand for, for that. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that just like as super rare labs, like, one, it's not what we set out to do. Like we didn't, you know, want to create a big Twitter account and just yeah, be spam, you know, spam Twitter pro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> promoters. Um, but two, 
we can't, right? Like there's, uh, it doesn't scale. That's not a, that's not a thing that can um, turn into a viable solution. So anything like that, where there's, um, you know, an incentive to, um, you know, to share what it is that need to be shared or to help with discovery, um, you know, I, I'm all for, and we'll certainly continue uh, experimenting. And I, I just, I wanted to also shout out to, um, you know, we're building Rare Protocol as a community, as a DAO. Um, we have a grants program. If you, you know, if you have any ideas for, for stuff like that, for initiatives that, um, you know, you think would be cool or, or want to see get built, um, hop in the Discord and, um, you know, start the conversation. Um, that's what the, the DAO treasury is there for. And if I can ask just one more question too, and thank you for your answer too, because I know sometimes as artists, like I feel like I need to understand like the visual versus like the techie part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes there's miscommunication like that. Like I'll never forget that with, uh, was it royalties? I don't know. I just remember a bunch of artists like didn't understand the technical way that royalties were implemented. They all thought it was literally, on, when I think Manifold said it was on chain, they were like, no, no, it's, it's written on chain, like what you want the royalties to be. It's not always like important. Anyways, sometimes the miscommunication is funny between like artists and then <laughs> the developers. We think we understand it, but we don't always fully understand it. So we're just trying to meet you in the middle. Um, but So with the, the Rare protocol, it is open to any artist, not just super artists, correct? And then super rare, you're still planning to keep curated or you're thinking of opening it up, but using this shirt curation. Is there any you know, idea of where you're going forward with that, if I have that correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the um, curation staking right now, it's on um, Ethereum L1, and it's totally permissionless and uh, open. So anyone can go stake on any um, Ethereum address or ENS name uh, right now. Um, and, you know, like, you know, like we talked about earlier with this, um, you know, this forum post that we put out uh, talking about the, the future vision, we really do want to expand that to, to other chains. So if there's, um, you know, analogous to artists doing, you know, um, art on Tezos, uh, et cetera, like bringing in, like having an identity where their, those addresses are mapped to that person. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the way I see the future of Super Air is, I think there's this concept of um, like being on a platform or being off a platform in a very traditional way. Like, um, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm creating on Instagram and, uh, or I'm not, or I'm, you know, I'm creating on X uh, or I'm not. Um, well, that is, the, the analogy does carry into Web3 in the sense of like, okay, there's the SUPR, like branded minting contract that we launched with. Um, but beyond that, the, the concept kind of breaks down and it totally breaks down in the, in the um, world in which there's sovereign artist contracts or artists using, you know, transient labs contracts or manifold contracts. Um, then it, it's less of like, oh, I'm on this platform or not, because it's not like, it's not analogous to Instagram where you're, minting or you know you're minting on instagram you're creating posts that live in the database of instagram really you're creating a an nft that lives on your sovereign contract and then it becomes discoverable on super rare right um and so where we you know where we see this going and i think a path to scalability 
um, and one that can really make discovery better and more personalized for everybody is to have that be um, more personalized. So if you, you know, stake on these wallet addresses and then go to SuperRare, you can see that art, whether or not that's been, you know, um, you know curated by a SuperLabs curator or not. Um, so that's, um, that's kind of the idea uh, bringing, you know, sort of like trying to decentralize the, um, the access and make it so that um, people can, you know, kind of discover and uh, peruse the, you know, the types of things that they find interesting. And I think that also, you know, makes the art more, more diverse and ideally, um, you know, I think will probably allow more sort of like sub communities to form, if that makes sense. Awesome. Thank you so much for that response. And last but certainly not least, Alon owns us. Thank you for waiting patiently. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Great, man. Good, good. Um, yeah, actually one of my questions was just answered too. So the props to that. Um, actually, I really just wanted to step up here to uh, say thanks for the information session here. Um, it's really, uh, I, I really respect all your guys' hard work and innovation in this space and everything like that. And really tr what triggered me most is going back to the very beginning of this conversation was that um, you were sort of uh, outlining the trajectory and timeline of, of NFTs and, and coins and tokens and Bitcoin. And I, I've also been around the space since about 2013. And I entered more into Bitcoin first and then and then, yeah, a couple of years went by. It was sort of really a boring, boring thing. <laughs> and sort of Doge came out after that and Litecoin and a few of these coins. And people were trading them, but they were gaining some value, but they weren't, um, there was nothing that exciting going on, really. And it was hard for the mainstream to really get into it. So what I think really um, sparked Bitcoin's value gaining was when Ethereum and FTs sort of started coming out too, because that sparked... Um, sort of a curiosity that, hey, stuff can be done with this. Like this can actually be creative. Uh, crypto can actually be creative and host a bunch of uh, people can get involved in it, you know, and, and spend time and be creative with it. Like it was really a fascinating thing. And I entered that NFT phase, um, actually sort of started on the BSC chain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember, I remember when punks came out, I didn't get any, uh, I tried getting some, I had a bunch of crypto kitties after that. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, this is, this space changed so much. It, it kept sort of redirecting in different directions. There was so much hype and, and these 10 K collections, these pump and dumps kept coming out. Like just people saw they were profitable. So they just kept launching them like daily, like 50 a day. <laughs> and like it was, it got way out of hand and it lost the principle of why, why this, this is like building here and i again entered the spaces and more i wanted to be a collector that was the most intriguing thing to me and then um and then a creator as well i tried some of that made very little on my artwork um it was it got more frustrating than anything uh no royalties people weren't interested in it and new things coming out every day so it's hard to keep people's attention so um, super rare. I remember when that, uh, when, when you kind of launched that within the first month or two, I started getting really curious. I was always watching that page. Um, 
yeah, yeah. And since then, I've been watching uh, a lot of. Uh, but, but I'll definitely be uh, getting into Super Rare more. I'll definitely support support that. And finally, I just wanted to say also to Emblem Vault, um, you're doing a great job too. Like uh, I really got into the rare pet bays. I had a few years ago, still do, but like I really jumped into them when when they got over to Ethereum because I don't know. I just started like stocking as many as I could. Uh, in my Ethereum thing there, when you guys uh, put them over to uh, to the vault there, so props to that. I really there's there's a lot of excitement still to be had here. Um, I think people are just a bit dejected when when like yeah, like we have to find ways to to make artists feel valued, and not just not just in crypto. That goes in the real world too. Like artists are really not always that valued. So if you can find a way to make artists celebrities, like rock stars, you know, make them the, 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 the thing that make them the asset, like artists, like put them on a pedestal, then, then you'll see, like, you'll have, um, probably a lot more support, like just in general, not that you don't already, but yeah, like, um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, looking forward to what you guys uh, come up with next. I'll definitely be supporting. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the kind words. Um, great to chat with such an OG in the space. And um, yeah, um, you and anyone else uh, interested in um, cross chain NFTs and um, any of the stuff we've been talking about, um, please uh, you know join our Discord. Uh, you go to rare.xyz. That's the Rare Protocol homepage. Um, jump in the Discord and. Um, yeah, uh, you know, stay abreast of um, everything that's going on there. Yeah, incre incredible conversation, John. Just want to say thank you for first your time, and second, glad that you survived the uh, <laughs> the great fire of the super rare labs. Uh, <laughs> um, you have survived, but no, really appreciate it. Also, that you're forward looking and uh, want to expand this idea of artist sovereignty. I think that was kind of the most profound idea that I took away from this. Is that's that's a and. That's what uh, Super Rare is intentionally building towards. So appreciate it. And I think me, you, Adam, will definitely have a conversation at some point, maybe next week or in the future, and we could talk more and hopefully improve uh, artist sovereignty together. So really appreciate your time. Awesome. Yeah, Adam, Jake, um, great chatting with you. Um, yeah, maybe we can do another one of these in the future. Uh, plenty more plenty more interesting ground to cover too. So um, yeah, all the best. And uh, thanks, thanks, everyone, for joining. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right. If you guys don't know, uh, Adam and I and Emblem Vault and Chris, we host this show Tuesday through Thursday at 1130 a.m. Eastern time, focusing on Bitcoin, collecting, art, everything that is pretty much not a PFP. Um, we like to cover the history of everybody and everything, all the great entrepreneurs. Make sure you give everyone a follow. Give John a follow. Hop in the Discord if you want Bitcoin ordinals to be on Super Rare. That's what I am taking away from this. Maybe, Alon, you can shill uh, Dogenals and so we could get some, some Dogecoin <laughs> art on Super Rare as well. But until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Thursday and we'll see you next time.